Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. ACAST recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Well, welcome to episode 67 of the BloodandMud.com podcast. You're, you're, oh, I, can't, I can't do it, Josh. I can't, I can't, I can't bring myself... What what is the point anymore? I'm, I'm, I love you. I'm shocked that you haven't just opened this podcast with some sort of funeral dirge <laughs> and a BBC 1950s announcer style. I regret to inform you that oh. James Hatfield, <laughs> the British and Irish lion. Well, it'd be yeah. What's his face? It'd be James Haskell. What? <laughs> oh, and yeah, England. That guy. That guy. John Spencer. 67, coincidentally, which is the episode number here, is also the exact number of throws as there are in judo. Really? And I feel like you... I've been dropped in full Ippon a number of times since last <laughs> evening. I'm not a wink of sleep. It's just, I've been distressed. It's, yeah, you join us at a very troubled and difficult time in Lee's life. That's yeah, not be Haskell bushy. is a full lion. But no, seriously, pull yourself yeah. together, Lee. Come on, let's get on with it. We have people out there who I'm sure don't want to hear me have a full meltdown. Well, no, if you do. People, none of our readers have ever responded positively to <laughs> us having massive... I said readers again. We were checking... I, I apologise, listeners, because about four times when we were prepping the pod before we came on air, I called you all readers instead of listeners, so... It still kind of works. I, I mean, if you want to transcribe the podcast and read <laughs> it, fucking carry on. Anyway, I am Lee Calvert, the editor of bloodandmud.com. <laughs> 
As if you didn't know already, but he is over there. He is. I am Josh Gardner of RugbyShirtWatch.com and indeed the longest intro we've ever had. <laughs> you can get in touch with us at Blood and Mud or you get in touch with me at Blood and Mud and Lee at BloodandMud.com and there's a Facebook page and there's BloodandMud.com and Josh is available. Don't get in contact with me. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. Yeah, don't. he's had enough. He's had enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can find this pod on Apple Podcasts, on Acast, or anywhere else you want to put the RSS feed. Thank you very much for all of you for your time. Not just every week listening to this, but no. the inordinate amount of time you spend giving us stuff on Twitter. Yes. It is, it is honestly it. one of the joys of my life to interact with you all. Indeed. It's very fun. You're all a lot funnier than we are. Yes. And, um, yeah, it saves us a little bit of prep, doesn't it? Coming up this week, we've got a review of the big weekend of rugby matches. We have. Uh, we've got Sean Holly songs interludes. Oh, of course. We've got obviously a big shit watch update as part of the weekend uh, as well. Oh yeah. We've got the um, shit good ratings, and I will at some point have a full on emotional meltdown over Haskell, but <laughs> I'll just leave you in suspense as to when it might be. Remember the other week when we started off doing Sean Holly songs, and I said it's the busiest day on Twitter ever. And the mm. only time I can imagine having a busier day is if yeah, Haskell gets named England captain. That's, that's in the past. Now, well, it's it? happened. Yeah. Busy. Honestly, Sunday night was ridiculously... <laughs> People were actually saying to me, I've only logged on to see what you are saying about James Haskell. <laughs> and as I said, see, everyone should have a claim to fame for something, shouldn't they, I suppose? That is very true. And also, I have noticed that... But basically, I only found out because of you. Because of you having just a minor meltdown i was like oh what's happened why oh. is he so oh god it's finally happened. the unthinkable has happened yes so there you go so that's what's coming up this week before we get started properly uh, an appeal we've Ooh. still had no report of the welfare of billy 12 trees yeah oh god can someone check in on him can somebody just please let me know if billy 12 trees is okay because the stuff he was saying he said he'd be in a very dark place and he'd be a nightmare around his wife and kids if they lost that game. And yeah. since then, he's not been seen. I haven't seen a hide nor hair of him, to be honest. I'm a little concerned. Speaking of Stade Francais, why, why were they, who were they playing at the weekend? Cardiff. Why? I, um, this has passed me by. I don't know what's going on. It's an absurd situation where we have, instead of just like them giving it to... Like, there's one final Champions Cup yes. space left over, isn't it? So, yes. the seventh place team in oh, I see. the Pro 12 plays the sixth place team in England and the sixth place team, or sixth place team in France, I should say, and the sixth place team in the Pro 12 then plays the seventh place team <laughs> in it. And then next week, Stard and Saints are going to. Uh, play and the winner will get to go in the Champions Cup. It doesn't seem fucking worth it. To who 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 thought of this? You know, when you sit down thinking, idea. how can we have a solution for something? How was that come to as the solution for I, anything? I think basically they've they've gone. This is a silly thing. Let's not do it anymore because the winner of the Challenge Cup gets in the Champions Cup again from next season now. So yeah. I'm assuming that they're doing away with that. Because you might as well have something at the end of an entire Challenge Cup season that gives you something than just some weird end-of-season playoff that nobody can really be bothered with. Player spotted time. We like a, a player spotted. Ooh. We've got one. Got a couple this week. I've got one from the now and one from the past. Uh, Rob Richardson emails. He said, A few weeks back after a day out in Cardiff with some mates, enjoying a few beers, 
and Cardiff finally beating the Ospreys. I, th- I don't think he had to put that in. I think he's just done no, that. No, I think that's just rubbing it in a bit, isn't it? It is, yeah. We returned to a friend's house in Swansea via KFC and Uplands. Now, that sounds like a belting night out, by the way, <laughs> via KFC and Uplands, where I was surprised yeah. to see Sam Davis sitting at a table by the window enjoying some chicken with a young lady. Well, I mean, clearly he knows how to show a lady a good time, yeah, he doesn't fin- he? he? finishes off with, Nando's must have been shut. <laughs> See, there's something about... I mean, Sam Davis does basically look 12 years old. He does. So, I mean, really, he probably can't get into Nando's. They're probably Not alone, like, that's true. Yeah, that's fuck true. off, son. Go down KFC with all the other kids. <laughs> yes, with all the rest of the orcs. Yeah. <laughs> and then Paddy King got in touch via Facebook. He, he emailed via a message via the Facebook page. Mm. And he said... Uh, this is from a while back, but he said, I realise half the country have experienced something like this, but I wanted to share my own personal memory of running into Andy Goode in a kebab shop. Well, I can't imagine a better environment yeah. to run into Andy Goode. It was in, a Thursday honest. night back in the autumn of 2006, and my now wife and I stumbled into Marouche in Knightsbridge <laughs> at around 3am. Ooh, Knightsbridge kebab shop. Um, <laughs> it had been our engagement party, and we just left Spearmint Rhino. And he says, bracket, which is another story. It's a story Clearly. I'd like to hear, Paddy, I'll be yes. honest. Um, did but, you did you start the night off in Bunga Bunga? Yeah, I mean, well, or maybe I didn't. No, I don't, I'm not going to no, say what I was just about to say then. But while waiting for our kebabs, we noticed Andy and Paul Saki were stood eating awesome. kebabs. My wife decided it would be fun to wind Andy up on the fact that he should never, been, never have been capped by England, which ended up in a <laughs> massive slanging match between a pair of them. Paul and I just watched on, each of us disowning who we were with, until we were all asked to leave. (laughs) This being 2006, Johnny was, of course, injured, so Andy was actually in the England squad at that time. The fact that it was 3am on a Friday morning and he was chugging donkey meat in preparation for playing that weekend gives a fair amount of credence to my wife's view. (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, I'll have no bad said of Andy, to be honest with you. I, I like mean, that. The fact that he was finally got some international selection and started eating kebabs. Celebrated kebab. it. Well, by didn't stop eating kebabs. Yeah. Good man. No, he's not going to let it change him. So keep pl- sending your player spotters in. I'll be honest, Paddy King's offering there was 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 quite comedic and interesting. We we prefer them yes. more mundane than that. Yeah. No. I mean, there was a full on fight with a a professional rugby player involved there. Pretty much, well, know, a verbal, verbal at least. Yes. I hope he wasn't actually but, full, having a full-on fight with somebody's wife. That would be uh, no, that, that would take the shine off his aura, wouldn't it? <laughs> but, yeah. Like, that's way too interesting. That's way too exciting. It's... Shall no. we make a start on what, we talked, what we've learned from the weekend and then come back and do some other things after that? I think that's probably a good place to start, as any. Would you like to take us... Well, before we get into that, actually, because it is part of what we learn, but let's get out of the way early. Let's do shit watch. Oh, well, yes, but it's just, uh, I mean, this is why shit watch is silly now. (laughs) Because the CPC game is supposed to be an afterthought that we sort of be like, oh, you know, we'll talk about it once we've talked about all the games that actually fucking mattered this weekend. Well, we can do that. Somehow the magic of the cup has meant that this, you know, it was the best game of the weekend, probably, <laughs> and a semi-fucking final. And it just once again proves the power of the CPC. This does both as a demotivating factor for the team in possession of it, and as a motivating one for a team that really doesn't want to win it. Anyway, Leinster, twice European champions, Champions Cup semi-finalists, 
holders of the CPC all summer, which is now presumably going to what put them into top three overall in the standings. It will easy. do by the end of it. Top two, I think. Second wow. behind. Uh, wow. It's Mikey S got in touch on Twitter about this and said that the CPC, uh, the Cuthbert Police on Kip, continues to break every single logical rule. Oh, it really does. And it's also very good that Scarlet Scarlet didn't get it. Um, wow. we've, there's been some debate about what we're going to do with the Cuthbert Police on Cup over the summer and when mm. it continues to exist. We had a great suggestion on Twitter, and I can't remember who did it now because I've not I've not made a note of who it was. And I'm very <laughs> sorry because I will give top you some notch, credit. Top notch professionalism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who suggested that we should maybe keep it but change the give it the name of two more shitty players every year? Yeah, it's almost like a yeah, like an annual thing. Although we kept the CPC over two seasons this time, we did. So I don't know. See, I just I think we're just going to stick with the brand. It's a brand, isn't it? It is a brand, but it's a and an increasingly nonsensical brand. Well, that, that that makes it even better for me. It does in a way, actually, doesn't it? You know, Blackberry yeah. makes no sense. Imagine I would they, say they unless we get a, a suggestion that is so blinding that we both go, that is the perfect name for our trophy of shitty ineptitude then we stick with the cpc there you go ladies and gentlemen out there listeners fucking thrown down give us an absolutely blinding name and i'm telling you judging by your sean holly songs our offerings i have absolute faith we'll have about 10 brilliant names by lunchtime tomorrow don't think you haven't so yeah get in touch at blood and motor at josh gardner or both increasingly people are doing both which is probably yeah, best. Why not? And let us know if you think you've got something that could be better than the CP Cup, the Cuthbert yes. Peace on Cup. So anyway, Leinster have got it. Poor we'll buggers. We'll have to change the fucking Twitter handle then, though. But oh well. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll, Don't forget we'll, to follow at the CPC, by the way, or yeah. the CP Cup, I should say. Yeah, we'll blow up that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. Anyway, what did we learn from the weekend? It is what, what I learned. It is what I learned, Josh. I'll give you a first one. Our prediction game is perhaps at its lowest ebb. It is not great, is it? One from four. And I mean, yeah, it was even that one didn't go quite as straightforwardly no. as I expected it to, to be honest. That was a weird old game. We'll come on to that in a minute. Oh, Although God. our predictions of the types of game were quite close, were pretty spot on. We did say, yeah. I think we predicted the kind of game that each game would be. It's just the result that we got wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, our like, prediction game is terrible. I mean, let's be honest, none of you fuckers listen to anything we predict. And if you do, no. just, if, if, you if either, any of you, you are actually mad. putting any kind of stock in it, like they're saying, oh, well, Josh and Lee said so and so is going to win. I'm <laughs> going to stick a tenner on it. You're a fucking mug. I don't know much about rugby, but I listen to this podcast every week, and these fellows who <laughs> I think know something about it have recommended this. No, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do yeah, that. Don't do that. Look at our track record. Look at how. I mean, it's sort of subsided now, but look at how enthusiastically we used to be praised slash castigated for our ability to curse a team by saying that they were just quite good. Hmm. I don't know if we still can. I feel like we haven't tried it for a oh, while. Oh, yeah. Well, well, Actually, we kind of have. We kind of did because we've both basically been saying last week that the Saracens were definitely going to win the Premiership. Yeah, and that led, there was something about Leicester which was going to push them over the line. That was yeah, probably just what Leicester. pulled them back from the line. I mean, let's be honest, our, our cursing anyway, powers yeah, it's, are... It's terrible. Prediction well, game, terrible. Absolutely terrible. What, what did you learn this weekend? Well... Um, I learned that Warren Gatlin's going to be fucking delighted. He is, um, isn't he? I mean, with the the sad exception of Billy, which <sighs> I mean, that's a gutter. But I mean, he's got to be sitting there this morning with a camp. You know, they've they've met up in Dublin today, right. and he's got all of his Saracens players 
all of his Leinster players, all of his Ospreys players, and all of his Leicester players. And he's just got to be fucking delighted with that because realistically, he wasn't expecting to see the likes of Farrell, Sexton, you know, Jamie George, Maro Itoje. He wasn't expecting these lads for at least a week. And he's going to get an extra week that he didn't expect to prep most of his halfbacks, which, yeah, he's got to be absolutely loving that. I mean, and then also he can wrap them in cotton wool because as the Billy thing has proved, you know, every second that they're out there playing fucking live rugby, there's a danger that they're going to fucking do themselves a mischief. It is true. true. Yeah, I mean, the only area of his squad that he's probably shitting himself about at the moment is his back three because at the moment... Stuart Hogg, I think, is the only member of the back three that isn't still involved. Yeah, and in the run in the run out last week he was playing um ten. <laughs> because the tens are all waiting to come in, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly. But like, he played ten or two last time. But like yeah, you think about it, North, Liam Williams, um and who else is there? Oh, and uh Halfpenny are all still yeah. have commitments. Yeah, um, true. So, yeah, he's got to be sort of looking over there and thinking, yeah. But, uh, yeah, other than that, and John happy. Davis as well, of course. Other than that, happy. Yeah, I think he's, as, as given how it could be going, and he could be looking at all of the, a lot of these players that he picked for the squad, fucking sitting and having to train their bollocks off for a week with Leinster and Saris and whoever, and then gets Shevin Shades of shit smashed out of them in a final next week. I think he's probably got to look at that and think, yeah, I can live with Haskell, Noel, and uh, Elliot Daly. Yeah, well, we'll come to the, I'm sure we'll come to that in a minute. But um, Honestly, yeah, you, like you look a, at that and think, yeah. Like I can a live knife in my heart every time it's said. <laughs> what did I learn this weekend? I learned that Leinster used the first 20 minutes of the Claremont game as a blueprint for the entire game on Friday. They really did, didn't they? Were they were a fucking I mean, shambles. They were really... I think I, I don't with the think exception ever... of Gary Ringrose, they were a complete and total shambles. Yeah, and it's just... I don't... like. They were just so shit. Like, they need to spend <laughs> yeah. the summer doing... Where do you start? <laughs> like, they, they properly... Like, I don't think I've ever seen a Leinster side drop so many balls in a game. Like... They were just like throwing them on the floor, like, and it wasn't like it was raining. They just were shit, and they <laughs> weren't concentrating. Yeah, it was absolutely all over the shop, completely all over the shop. No, um, just no plan of which you could put your finger on. Ball being dropped all over the place. Losing, I think, losing McGrath didn't help. Yeah, no, it didn't. And I'll come on to that later, but that didn't because I know he's only young, but he's, he did seem to be giving him a lot of shape, and it all he does, went very and he, bad and he obviously knows how on. to run a pack as well. <laughs> yes, and uh, but yeah, it was uh, absolutely terrible. Oh, it was really bad. I mean, imagine being a, I mean, I've been among Leinster fans quite a bit, and they're a good bunch, and that must <clears> be a really fucking heartbreaker to finish a season like them. Not even heartbreaking, just depressing. Just fucking yeah. Well, I'll t- I'll talk to you about depressing ways to finish a <laughs> season for a minute, yes, if you like. Um, but yes. The other thing that I learned, um, I don't think Wayne Pivak's going to be the Scarlets coach for too much longer if they keep playing the way that they are at the moment. Something uh, alloyed to that, which I had learned, is I don't, th- you know, Stephen Jones should perhaps be the Wales attack coach. Yeah, given why not? the way well, the Scarlets, uh... he pulled out. He was supposed to be going and decided he wasn't fucking up for it. No, in but the I summer. mean generally, like properly, yeah, no, not he just because he should be. Yeah, because you know. 
but it's the, it's not just the. I mean, the attack is phenomenal. Mm. It's the most exciting, probably fluid rugby that you'll see m- most teams play in Europe. To be honest, they're absolutely electric. But they've got they've alloyed that with, to nick your word, um, a good pack, solid set piece, and really organised, really tenacious defence. And like Pivac's sort of been threatening this for a couple of years, like. They've looked brilliant in patches and then they've gone a bit off the boil and they've been mm. a bit inconsistent. But like if he keeps Scarlet's playing like this for another season, like why not why is he not in the conversation to be Warren Gatlin's successor in twenty nineteen? It's very odd, isn't it? Like what I've not really thought about it before, but if he wins the Pro twelve this year and he gets the Scarlet's playing like that, he should absolutely get a crack at the Wales job in I mean, two years' you know, time. If it meant it wasn't Rob Howley, you'd probably have like a you know a, oh, a tin, of, I mean, a tin of peanuts would, or something, wouldn't I'd you? I'd let Sean Holly have a crack for I'd let Rob <laughs> Howley have a crack, all, for God's yes. sake. But uh, it's just, yeah, it's just he looks, he's got them playing such a great brand of rugby, and it's hard not to look at that and think. John yeah, Barkley we played well, didn't he? Better. John Barkley oh, he played, played very well. well. Class. And it's uh, hard and, to find somebody who didn't play well in yeah, that style. To be honest, Tyg Byrne looked like the. Signed of the season yesterday. Yeah, I did like the fact fair. that he was basically just kind of standing there with two Vs and going "fuck you" to the West yeah. Leinster, wasn't he? <laughs> "Fuck you." He was definitely playing with a chip on his he shoulder. <laughs> they won a penalty quite late on that. He was pro- he was like volcanic in his in his out. <laughs> he was so chuffed about it. Um, <clears throat> other things I learned, however, um, and this is something that we've discussed before, but it was rather illustrated on Friday night. There is something badly wrong when physics and gravity are what are determining a disciplinary sanction more than a player's actions. Mm. Namely, yeah, I can't argue that Steph Evans deserved a red card under the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. He lifted a player above the horizontal and, you know, he was dropped down dangerously and landed on his head. However, he's got no say on where Ring Rose landed. Like, he was, it was reckless, clearly, but he wasn't in any control of what was happening there and Samson Lee was getting involved and contributing to altering the angle and the position of the body in the air like you said it before but outcome can't determine sanction like this I think it should have been a a reckless tackle it should be a red regardless of where he it should be a red because he did that thing that Johnny May did in the Six Nations where he a little bit yeah it wasn't even that he bent his legs were straight and he bent down grabbed Mm. grabbed uh, the guy's legs and then stood up straight again yeah. And whenever you do that, you're going to flip the le- you're going to flip the legs over. And that's exactly what happened with Ring Rose. Yeah. But then to stand there and sort of say, let's just see where he lands, and it's a matter of inches. Yeah. And what if you should be saying effectively is you, that that technique is fucking terrible. You can't yeah. bend straight over and stand yeah. up with somebody. That, if if they if that technique is the problem, then that technique should tackling like that should be a red. And card. that that technique that technique will cause somebody to land on their neck, head, or shoulder. Yeah, every time it's you do dangerous. It. So actually ruling on where the guy ends up because it's basically about how fast he rotates in the air when you're doing it. Yeah. I agree and with how you. Quickly it was stupid. He was running it was a right decision know. though, but yeah, the It was the right decision, but the but wrong it, it route was to the it. reason that it was yeah. given is silly. And yeah. It it was it was weird. Yeah, but I mean again, even more credit to Scarlet's because oh, that massive. could have knocked they, the shit absolutely. out of them. And, you know, and there's often, well, if you go back to this time last year, really, you know, Scarlet's were so fragile in defence, mm. and it was ridiculous. And they no, had a sort of like, they had, 
they basically went on a grand tour of brilliant rugby, didn't they? Because they did this amazing attacking game in the first half. And then, and then in the second half, there's this incredible, heroic, heroic rearguard defence, yeah. Leinster were fucking shapeless and clueless, don't get me wrong. Even but so, yeah. Even so, the the way that they were just flying out of the line, you know, it was... And they yeah, were away from home heroic. as well, remember? You know, this yeah. wasn't like they could just get a crowd behind them and stuff. They were having to, to mm. fight. One thing I did learn from that game as well is that I was very disappointed that Leinster coach John Fogarty is not the lead singer of Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> When well, they said we're going down to John Fogarty, John Fogarty, way. I thought, oh, this will be great. And it was like, oh, no, it's just some oh, Irish lad. Um, Although they did, the BT gang did miss a massive opportunity to say, we're going to go down on the corner now to have a chat with John Fogarty. <laughs> that would have been my favourite moment of all time. But Yeah, well, this is why you should be involved in TV. <laughs> well, exactly. I did make yeah. a pitch when I was down just, there. But when I said that those touchdown, when I said those mid-half interviews are fucking awful, the guy didn't agree with me, so... Well, that was the end for you, wasn't it? <laughs> when will I never um, learn uh, to not say the wrong thing? Yeah. No, it's not like you at all. Um, I things I learned. Um, Pro Twelve has still got a massive visibility problem. Um, mm. Given that it was one of the biggest upsets of the season, one of the best games of the season, a semi-final and an absolute fucking game for the ages, um, you'd have no idea that the Scarlet's Lens, the Lens of Scarlet's game ever happened to watch TV news or read a national newspaper in the yeah. UK on Saturday. Like, don't get me wrong, it's hard enough for rugby to men- get a mention a lot of the time, thanks to football in the national press. But Especially when the Guardian, year, yeah. Yeah, but when the Guardian doesn't even bother to do a fucking match report. That's a disgrace, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's, it's a bit like nobody fucking cares, and I don't understand how it's going to change, but... It's actually getting not fair now because the Pro 12 is putting a very good product on the field. and Yeah, that, that game on Friday was a blinder. You, you, yeah. It's one of the best games I've seen this year. Yeah, and yet nobody cares and I just don't really get it. Well, maybe that's why they've got to, you know, mm. that's why they're doing what they're doing. You know. Well, exactly, yeah. They've got to try and get away for somebody I mean, who cares somehow. ridiculous. Yeah. Here's what I learned. Mm. Uh, Marius Mitreya is actually competent. Well, On let me qualify occasion. that. It's a relative measure. I'll yeah. say well, that. As a relative measure, Mitreya looked competent. Yeah. I'm fairly well, at ease with himself, which I quite liked. Yeah, I, th- I think that was comfortably the best game I've ever seen Marius Mitreya have, which is grading on a huge <laughs> curve. Don't get me wrong. But, but it, it demonstrated once again that the Pro 12 cannot trust its own refs because on the Ospreys Munster game mm. on Saturday, they had to draft in uh, Luke Pierce from the yes. Premiership because they because clearly know the other, like, <laughs> Mitrea might be all right, but the other Italian and Scottish refs are just not up to standards. And as it was, to be honest, Steve Price had a pretty poor game. And But the point stands, the league doesn't have enough refs to handle games between its two biggest representatives, Wales and Ireland. Is it? And is that really the league's fault, though? I know it sounds well, like no, a daft thing to say the because they, no, it's they're not, the not coming through, are they? It's, it's the fault of the SRU and the Italian Federation that hmm. they're just not developing refs of good enough standard, and they're letting, as I've mentioned before, they're just letting the Irish and Welsh refs basically shoulder the load. But then you get a problem like this, where you've got you know, Matreya is going to have to do the final next week if they don't draft in somebody <laughs> from. He's going to have to because there are no 
Scottish refs that are clearly up to standard and he can't be an Irish ref and it can't be a Welsh ref. I think it's all set for Steve to come out of retirement. Well, I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? That is it? the dream, isn't it? Imagine that, the yeah. golden Adonis, Adonis striding out of the tunnel. Dry ice. Yeah. yeah. 80s rock music going on. Oh, yeah, I'm his hair even more feathered than it ever was before. <laughs> feathered and deadly, yes. <laughs> but no, it's it's fucking really stupid and frustrating when, like, yeah, I, Lee Pierce is a good ref. Like, he didn't have a brilliant game, but he is obviously a very good ref. I've seen him ref in the Prem, and I like him a lot. But it's sad that the Pro 12 organisers go, well, we fucking can't trust any of these people with games. And it's like, well, you're trusting them with the rest of the fucking season. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you can shag up regular season games, but you're not going anywhere yeah, near Yeah, when it comes to space. a semi, we'll actually get somebody who knows what he's fucking doing. And, well, <laughs> that's not good enough. And it is something that they really need to take a look at going forward. Linked to that, uh, which is referee linked, I learned that a bit like the leaders of the country aren't too concerned with economic uncertainty anymore with the decisions mm. that they make, uh, referees aren't too concerned about forward passes anymore. No. I mean, I personally have profound issues with that Munster try being awarded without even a glance at the TMO. The, the Keith Earls try, passing that try was properly a metre Miles forward. forward. <laughs> and he didn't even consider going back for it. Now, I don't know whether that was just because the Thurman Park factor and he just got a bit caught up in the fucking intensity of it there because that can happen to refs and I get it. That's why you want a fucking home semi-final because your crowd can get on the rest yeah. back and sort of make him forget himself. But yeah, and in the the Wasps Leicester game, there were some fucking. Oh yeah, I think in one Wasps attack, I counted three. Yeah, one in it's... one attack. Yeah, well, I'd say in that in that Zebo try, there are at least two passes in there that would want to look one at. Is def- was one def- is def- definitely the pass was a other... mile forward. Yeah, and I would say that the Conor Murray pass was slight, mm. dubiously flat, shall we say. I mean, the thing is, it's a funny one for me, this, because you know my feelings on going too far back with a TMO. Yeah, so does all you listeners out there. You know my feelings on this. However... It's one flowing play. Like, But then the thing that pisses me off is the inconsistency thing. Cause... No, but that's exactly the point I was going to come to, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like apostrophes. I don't mind you getting an apostrophe wrong, mm. but get it wrong consistently. You know, yeah. don't use it. Use it on bananas, then don't use it on apples. You know, yes. I don't. That, you know, get it, it wrong of, consistently. It's one of the greatest irritations of my professional life when freelancers don't get like if you fuck something up grammatically or spelling wise once, like or to, like if you just don't know something, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah. But it's when you get it right sometimes and you don't get it right the other times that absolutely yeah. boils my piss. People always and... put an apostrophe on paninis, <laughs> but not on sandwiches. Yes. Well, that's your foreigners well, yeah. for you. That's your foreign food yeah. for you, see. <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, that's in that monster. Anyway, to thing, come back you know, to the point I was making, yeah, yes, it's yeah, about went, if, you, if you're going to go back, then go back for everything. Yeah. He then, yeah, he then robbed us of oh. one of the great, the truly great front row tries ever scored by Scott Otten. By basically, he'd he'd looked at it in real time and decided that it wasn't a knock on. That's and what. Then, this is what really. Oh yeah. And, and and gone. No, it went backwards. Was the actual words that he said. But then he decided. But then he looked. He asked to go to the TMO to check the grounding, 
and the TMO independently went, oh, yeah, I suppose you want to check that knock-on as well, do you? And fair enough, it was a fucking knock-on, but it's like, have a bit of... All we want is consistency. I, mean, I don't know how and it is many that thing. fucking if, times we've said this. If, all we want yeah. is a fair crack of the fucking way. Well, all I want is to stop this fucking nonsense altogether. Going back two phases for a knock-on is the most fucking ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. But what annoys me is, is that if you think it's a knock-on anyway, why do you let play go on? If he didn't yeah. score a try, when would you have actually when called play actually back gone? for that knock-on? Yeah. It doesn't make any logical sense at all. No, it's fucking bollocks, to be honest with you. And oh, I'd love them to just stop fanning yeah. about with it's this. It's in TMO the act nonsense. of scoring. Yeah. Or for like horrible foul play. That's it. Everything yeah. else, do your fucking job. There's about ten of you there. <laughs> yeah. It's not hard, is it? No. But at all, if you are going to do that, fucking do it properly. <laughs> yes. Like with the fucking apostrophes. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're going to check things, check everything. Yes. Don't just presume. Or check nothing. For fuck's sake. What else did you learn? Oh, Sorry, I feel like I've just... Uh... Oh, I'm worn out now. Yeah, yeah, I am a little... I haven't even got um, to Haskell well, yet. I'm taking, I'm taking this a little... What we've learned thing a little bit literally, as it was obviously public knowledge beforehand, but I didn't know this, and I thought it was quite interestingly. Did you know that Thomas Waldrum, mm. Chubby Tommy, mm. confounder of sense and try-scoring charts, has a brother, mm. Scott, and Scott is currently the head coach of the All Black Sevens team? Of course I didn't know that. That's a level it's... of research that I would never get anywhere near. And I don't well, really pay much attention to Sevens. So. Well, exactly. The only reason that I know is that I was watching the London Sevens on Saturday morning. And after an All Blacks game, Scott was interviewed and was like, gave a shout out to Tommy and the Exeter Chiefs Does boys. Does Scott have like, a, an enormous head that looks like it's full of honey? Um, like no, Thomas does. no, he doesn't at all. He just looks vaguely normal. Um I would say that he looks less like Chubby Tommy than Tyler Bayondal looks like Chubby Tommy, if I'm totally <laughs> honest with you. Um, but yeah, apparently Scott was a flanker and nearly played for the All Blacks, um, but got injured. So I so, just thought that was quite interesting. That is quite Funny interesting. how these things go, Who isn't knew? it? Right. Uh, what did I learn? Um, it's not ideal. It's not a good look. To have a massive, huge red army flag draped across a completely empty stand. Because <laughs> if you've got a red army, you don't need to drape a massive flag over your stand here. I mean, I take, I did, I, I take I the did. point. It was still a decent crowd at Thurman Park. It was Park. still a decent crowd. I did, I did nearly make a snarky comment about that, but I thought people already accused me of being bitter anyway, so I oh, just thought I'd leave it. I did it. I don't care. I want the other yeah. thing is I, get, I still get monumentally excited at rugby matches. Mm. Sometimes when you do this job and you watch a lot of rugby and you talk about and write about rugby a lot, it's hard to maybe some t- or, or it, it, you lot out there may think that all me and Josh do is sit there with a sort of slight snarl on our face, hating everything. And I yeah. can tell you that when Exeter went over for that try in the last minute, I was l- jumping and leaping around my living room like a buffoon. Yes, and equally... All three of those Scarlets tries, as much as I passionately hate the Scarlets, every <laughs> single one of those sky tries, I was fucking delighted because they were absolutely brilliant scores. Yeah. They were wonderful and lovely. And it was a wonderful... <sighs> and actually, it was wonderful. apart from the game that you, obviously you're going to speak about, I imagine, in a minute, 
all the games I don't know this weekend. To say about it, to be honest, <laughs> were, worth, were worthy of a semi-final. The Wasps game was a little bit should have been soundtracked by boings and clangs because they yeah, were a little a bit, bit all over the shop. But the drama, the drama, that's what you want at the end of the day. You want some drama, and yeah. I genuinely, genuinely loved most of the rugby this weekend. Pretty much all yeah. of it, really. I loved literally everything except for the second half of Osprey's Monster, for obvious <laughs> reasons. But that was, I mean, yeah, it was. I would say that both Wasp Leicester and Munster Ospreys were broadly quite incompetent on both parts. It's just that Wasps uh, Leicester actually had some tension and some yes. drama about it. Yeah. Whereas and they were giving it a lash. Yeah. Whereas the Ospreys, they were just so comically shit they and were awful, inexplicable. And, yes. Well, it's just. I mean, I thought it was very telling that Alan Wynne-Jones basically said after the game, well, we've got to sort of work out exactly why it is that we seem to play so badly at the end of seasons. Well, what he really meant was, see all them over there, cunts, all of them. (laughs) Basically, it was the saddest thing I've ever seen because he was they hauled him out in front of the press after the game. And for some reason, he didn't have any shoes or socks on. So there was, and there was this wide shot of him sitting by this trestle table with no tablecloth on it, with Steve Tandy looking like fucking hangdog, sad mass motherfucker sat next to him, just looking like he hasn't got a clue. And there's Alan Wynne Jones seething in shorts with no fucking shoes or socks on, just sort of sitting there <laughs> snarling at the press bench with no, and there was no tablecloth, there was nothing. You could just see him just sat there with his fucking shoes off. It was such a nothing weird, sums up their performance better. It was such an apt way to say, yeah, Tandy looking sad and I'm having a fucking clue what's just gone on, and Alan Wynne James just looking furious yet at the same time ridiculous under a table that wasn't properly prepared. That's basically yeah. the Ospreys in a nutshell, there, isn't it? It is basically, and yeah, it was given everything, given where the Ospreys were six weeks ago where they were in a European quarterfinal and they were one of the favourites to win the fucking thing. And they were, you know, setting the pace at the top of the Pro 12 for their season to end with one win in seven games. Yes. And scoring three points in He's a got to go, hasn't he? He's got to, but he won't. Because like, they won't pay he, to replace him, or just because he's well, because they'll go, oh, well, you know, he got us back in the Champions Cup and he got us to us back in the playoffs again. And that will be classed as a success because I don't know what the fuck they're thinking over there, to be quite honest with you. But here's what I learned. And I I watched the Exeter Chiefs Saracens game, obviously, mm-hmm. and it was and it's wonderful denouement. I and mean, it looked like it was absolutely nailed on to be an absolute classic Saracens win. Wasn't oh, it? it really did, didn't it? And um did you know this? And I didn't realise it, I looked afterwards. Exeter made hundred and thirty seven tackles in that game. Yes. Do you know how many Saracens made? It was a comically large number, 224. wasn't it? 224. But how many of them did they miss? Uh, they because missed 86% and so did Exeter. So actually, numbers-wise, I'll have to try but and work still, that out. It's that's not great for 38 tackles. Because we right? in the yes. preview pod, we basically said, how hard have they been hitting the beers this week? Yeah, was our sort of how are Exeter going to win this? Uh, but they clearly had a very relaxed week, didn't they? I mean, it's hard to get up for a game the week after winning a final, particularly a fucking Champions Cup final. But they were so out of sorts 
like Exeter were very good, but like, yeah, at one point they missed something like twenty percent of their tackles. Yeah, which is extremely powerfully unsaries like. Yes, it is. Um, uh, and I think as I said on Twitter, we wonder when they stopped drinking. And yeah, shortly before quick kickoff, judging by the way that they were playing for large swathes of that and game. And yet, and yet, away from home in a very hostile environment, they still were two minutes away from winning the whole fucking thing. Oh yeah, I mean that's just Sarri's baseline, isn't it? And speaking of that game, here's what mm. I learned. <laughs> Henry Slade ruins snarky tweets for me. One, <laughs> I did my whole thing about hope crushing, you know, hope kills you thing. But also, yes. when Henry Slade kicked that kick, that majestic mm. kick. Oh, the, what a fucking kick Well, yeah, was. the trajectory it was on, I literally started typing. <laughs> Henry Slade missing touch there, it pretty much sums up you know, his development after we all thought he was going to be, and oh no, it's gone out. <laughs> <laughs> but So he ruined that for me. It was one of the most outrageous balls he kicks to touch that you'll ever see. It was, yeah. No, yeah. However, shouldn't have been on the field. He massively shouldn't have been on the field. <laughs> Not to like, go back to the his, Steph Evans point, massively shouldn't have been on the field. His attempted tackle on Ellery as he scored that Sarri's try should have been at least a yellow. He basically flipped him over his head, and it yeah. was pure luck. It was that some Ellery kind of landed on the fucking ball over the try line. It was some kind of suplex gone wrong. Yeah, it, if that had been anywhere else on the field, Slade probably would have got a red for that. If S- he'd landed on his shoulder or on his head, he would have been off in a fucking heartbeat. And instead, it wasn't even a penalty. I agree. It wasn't even a yellow card, and it that fucks me off. That. <laughs> refs that basically go well they scored a try let's wipe the slate clean no it doesn't matter if because they could have given the try and still binged him off yeah yeah if an offence worthy of a card has been committed fucking bin him regardless of whether they score a try or not Hmm. but yeah I'm sure that comes across as particularly mean-spirited given what he did but it's just the fucking truth he shouldn't have been on the field you sticking up for Saracens well, somebody's got it, haven't they? Well, no, you're sticking up the rule of law, Josh. I respect I just that. Don't, I just don't like racism. <laughs> oh, yeah, so many what so much tomahawk chopping and war bonnets going on. Oh, God bless God. them. They're such a nice club. Why? <laughs> Please know. do something about it. I think I basically said that. Not enough now. Like, I literally love everything about this club. They are brilliant. They are so entertaining they're honest yeah. they're proper old-fashioned ground brilliant. yeah brilliant it's so everything's great about them and they fucking ruin everything <laughs> by just being nakedly and unabashedly racist ah Acast recommends podcasts we love change makers is a new podcast series with me claire mckenna talking to people who stand up speak out or challenge us to think a little differently it's about the greater good families and children respecting their own individuality in the next couple of years like i hope i never have to have conversations about racism ever again i just want to get to the stage where you know people are just people nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together change makers with claire mckenna search for it now wherever you get your podcasts Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Speaking of that, it's is, my way of saying go wasps. I think Exeter is where they send all the barbers who fail their exams. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I learned. I, I basically think that Jack Noel 
Paul is setting an incredibly bad example for everybody else, and he should be stopped immediately. Doodle Do pointed out on uh, Twitter, and this is a good point actually. The t- the two teams who finished top are actually in the final. Yes, which is good. a bit of an. Uh, and also, we should point out that somebody for the first time ever won an away semi final in the Pro Twelve as well. Yes, they did, and it was Scarlet. It was. You want to you want to put your money on that, would you? Well, yeah, not if you listen to us, you fucking wouldn't anyway. <laughs> Shall we do some? Have you got anything else you learned? Uh, no. Are we just, are you just You've skated over Ospreys, haven't you? I, I don't, I've got nothing to say. They were shit for the last seven weeks. I think I've said it all. Shall we do some Sean Holly songs? I think we probably should, shouldn't we? I definitely need a lift. We definitely need a lift after all that, yeah. Thank yes. you. For those of you, you, you must know what these are by now. Yes. Uh, hashtag Sean Holly songs, where a few weeks ago we had Sean Holly crowbarring in uh, coaching James Hook at the Ospreys to Alice by whoever sang it. Who yes. sang Alice? Uh, I can't remember who that was. a stupid name. Smokey, was it? Yes. Anyway, so we've said how you know, rugby-related songs you can squeeze in, Sean Holly songs, hashtag. We've had hundreds. I can't keep up like with I... them. And so many good I, on, ones, I keep forgetting them. On Friday, them. I basically went through and added all of the ones that I could find. And there's been about a fucking hundred more since then. And I don't know. So, yes, yeah, so there is a Twitter moment. If you go on at Josh Gardner on my Twitter profile, you will see the hashtag Sean Holly songs Twitter moment with all of the tweets, except for the ones that have been done in the last two days, um, which also, I will add. I've also um, um, I've also put it on the, on the Blood and Mud Facebook page as well. Excellent. Um, and yeah, this is great now is, because it's the lazy oh. journalist story generator Twitter. I could just do best of Sean Holly songs as a post on the blog for the next year. Yeah, five easily. at a time. <laughs> and there are some great. Some Before really we get this, I do like ones. this one. Rob Oram got in touch on Twitter with this. He mm. said, "You guys have basically inspired me to join Twitter with Sean Holly songs." He wasn't even a member of Twitter, but he's Brilliant. joined because he wants Brilliant. to be. Keeping in with a recent Sabbath loving, how about, and I like this, imagine it with an extra R, paranoid. Oh, that's good. I tell you what, I, I really like Mike, Mark Parsons' suggestion, which is don't look back in the anger. Which, <laughs> which, oh, God, that's good. James Owen gets in touch, so on Holly Songs, going loco, down in Joe Rockathoco. Oh, that's good. Very I good. I like the ones that where people have actually written um, lyrics. Yes. Uh, Jen, Jenny Wren, uh, at Jen Turn on Twitter. It was an itty-bitty, teeny-weeny, yellow poker Josh Navidi, which, I mean, fucking... That's brilliant. Genuine brilliant. That is genuinely brilliant. Alex Dodd, uh, guns and... He's, he's gone double with both the band name and the song. Alex Dodd has. Guns and yeah. Ring Roses with Sweet Child of Omani. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's um, very good. Jonathan Brown at Brewing Junior on Twitter. Um, they're all on Twitter. Oh, I don't know why I'm fucking saying that. <laughs> like I'm on some Five Live or some bollocks. Um, the Fresh Prince's homage to uh, Connick's number eight. Boom, John, John, John Muldoon. <laughs> um, what's oh, this is a good one. Losaurus Rex on Twitter. You get full verse, which I kind of like. You have to sing it to make it work, really. Life is a mystery. Everyone must stand alone. I hear you call Mornay Stain, and it feels like (laughs) home. Uh, Any more there? Um, I enjoyed Joe Heron's uh, I was happy in John Hayes of a drunken hour. (laughs) I did like that one. Um, 
There's one here that is so good, I've actually had to soundtrack it because we can actually join in with it. I don't know if you've seen this one from Pete on Twitter. It's an absolute wow. cracker, and it's Jordan Turner Hall he's put in. Right. Okay. So, are you ready? Right, I'm, I'm excited. It's quite a long intro, but it's worth it. Have you worked out where Turner Hall's going yet? I think I've got a funny feeling I can guess. This is a Stone Cold classic, by the way. It is. Turner Hall. Yes. Turner Hall. Turner Hall. Turner Hall. Yes. Yes. I could just do the rest of the show doing that, but that was a... Yeah. Here come the hot stepper, Turner Hall. Poor bugger yeah. had to retire. He's not hot stepping much now because he's injured. No, but did he have to retire? Oh, that's a shame. He did, yeah. yeah. A few years back now. Uh, well, good one from uh, Reese Not, but Mitchell on Twitter. Uh, I'll hip to be square. <laughs> like a bit of Huey Lewis in there. That's that's some good, yeah, 80s retro and slightly dodgy yeah. player. I like it. Yeah. Um, What have we got? Oh, I've done nothing now. <laughs> I'd like to Donica wish, wish your girlfriend was hot like <laughs> yeah that yeah, is a brinder which is yeah. just crowbarring it in just so much but I'm fine with it Hannah Blunt on Twitter got in touch and said hi Mona highway to hell oh, yeah <laughs> that's and that's good. perfect that's yeah how many times has hi Mona been on a highway taking you all on a highway to hell is he still playing can't be probably maybe who knows oh no he went back to New Zealand didn't he did he yeah, I think he's playing NPC. Um, I'm going to finish off with Paul Jeffrey's 99s, uh, his Grease Mega Mix, if I will. <laughs> I got chills. There's Sean O'Brien. <laughs> and I'm goosing control oh. to the power you're supplying. It's electrifying. Oh, some, I can't remember it was before I found it. I'm a, I'm a very big Who fan. I love the Who. And yeah. interestingly, somebody came on and did an entire like tweet of Who songs. Like Brew Are oh. You, for example. Yes. Um, uh, Babatoni O'Reilly was another one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's great. Oh, literally, we're never stopping doing these. No. So until if just... you, we don't stop till you stop. No. And you will never stop. So please never stop. <laughs> this, this is literally. This is just brilliant. It's my favourite thing ever. Speaking of uh, my favourite thing ever. Yes. <laughs> that's not my favourite thing ever. <laughs> shall we... Shall, shall we... Um, I was going to mention James Haskell on here this week anyway, because, as usual, the entire army of people who like to wind me up out there sent me a picture of him. Uh, on. T- he was in the Times this weekend, naked. Of course he was. And so somebody sent me the picture with all the text around it. And of course, like a fucking idiot, I read it. (laughs) And it's all about his body. Of course uh, it is. And he actually was was talking about his tattoos. And he said, he did that whole E plus M equals D. I've got a tattoo of E plus M equals D somewhere on his fucking body. Because if if you, what is it? If you... Engage and maximize every opportunity, then you dominate. Oh, That's how I live God. my life, he said. The funny thing was, I read that out to my wife, not t- saying what it was, and she was like, Who the fuck said that? 
I said, yeah, thank you. <laughs> he also said, he also said in this one, um, his, his toenails were painted because he does that, doesn't he? And he said, uh, he? he does. He said, I do it for two reasons. One, it's practical because you're forever getting your toes stood on and it strengthens them, which is true in the forwards. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. And he says, and two, I think it looks fabulous. When actually what he really meant was there are two reasons that I do it for. One, attention. And two, <laughs> attention. <laughs> They're the two reasons he does it for. Yeah. So that there was that. So I was, I was, you know, I was, I was quite fuming anyway before yeah. this whole Billy Vinopola thing. Now, obviously, let's not, before we go on to that, let's not lose, lose sight of the fact. We've lost Billy Vinopola, by the way. Yeah. For what the line store, which has made a very, is. very hard job, much, much harder. And then, and when we spoke, I know we keep talking about this, but when we spoke to him, he was, as you would say, demonstrably raring, raring to go for the line. Oh, he thing. was fucking. That's what kind of. There's a couple of people who suggested that he's basically put Saracens ahead of the Lions, and he's. If Saracens were playing a final next week, he'd play through the pain, but he doesn't want to go on the Lions tour. I think that is absolute fucking horseshit. Yeah, I think that's nonsense. To be honest with you. Because honestly, um, he was he, he was saying you know because when when we asked him and he said oh do you want the do you want the kind of press training answer or do you want the the real answer is yeah of course I'm thinking yeah. about it all the time and I can't wait sort yeah. of thing yeah so him being injured is bad I enough think... well basically he obviously has a shoulder like if he's not feeling right in his body it is entirely correct that he should go. I can't give my 100% to the team at the moment. It's obvi- if it's been bothering him for a couple of weeks and he's been managing, you know, rugby is a fucking 100% injury sport. Every fucking player by the end of the season is injured in some way, shape or form and they're managing something. If after that game on Saturday he came off and was like, yeah, it's getting demonstrably worse. I don't think I can carry on playing through this and still be effective. It's entirely, it is remarkably mature hmm. that he doesn't turn around and say, no, I'll just give me an injection and I'll fucking try and tough it out. Because that's the sort of standard machismo rugby bollocks answer that you expect players to give. But the fact of the matter is, if you're playing injured, then you're not playing to your full potential. And because I saw like Gatlin basically tried to convince him to come to go anyway and basically mm. said yeah we can manage it and he was just like basically no I know and my body I know it's fucked and and he his performance was such I mean he made 21 tackles on Saturday he carried yeah. for the most number of metres it was just you know it was an heroic performance really he just he put it all on the line because that's what he does he didn't put anybody above anything did he no so that and, was bad enough in itself but then to have him replaced by James Haskell is, for me, tantamount to throwing hot dog shit through the windows of the ambulance as it's taking him away. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... I don't understand it for... An eight's been injured. Vinopolda is an eight, isn't he? Full stop. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. else. He's an eight. He's, he's he was always going to play it. And in many ways, he has made Warren Gatlin's job simpler because now he's going to play Fanta at eight. Yes. Where talk of playing at six which i hated yeah so yeah i mean so he, he's an what? eight so an eight's got injured and he's replaced him, with, he's replaced a, with, him a, with with a six and a bit if you're going to go down that route i don't want to call him a six and a half because it gives credence those fucking t-shirts <laughs> printed that time 
<laughs> I'm assuming this means that Standard's now an out and out eight. Uh, yes, and it also means that I. It doesn't say a lot for Jamie Heaslip's fitness or no, how Gatlin drapes him, does it really? So he's bolted the other back row bits because obviously Standard's now an eight. So that means that Haskell is considered better than Barkley. Rob Shaw yeah. and Hamish Watson, yeah. just to throw three names out there. Yeah. It's one of those things, though, isn't it? It's like, if what he wants is like a really aggressive... Like, let's not beat around the bush here. James Haskell is getting nowhere fucking near a Test 23. I just, I've got no faith million, in that anymore. I've got no, no faith in, in anything a, anymore. Not in a million fucking years is he getting near a Test 23. He... Is now behind to my. So all sense tells me that in terms of eights, he's behind Falatang. Yep. He is behind CJ Stander. Yep. And he's behind Ross Moriarty. Yeah, that's true. That is true. A six, he should be behind Stander again. Omani. Ross Omani, Ross Moriarty, mm-hmm. Sean O'Brien, Sam Warburton as players who play six ahead of him and better than him. So, yeah, he's not getting anywhere near a test team. He's never going to get a test cap for the Lions unless well, there's some sort of fucking plague. Well, I'm glad you're trying However, to make me feel better. I am trying to make you feel better. <laughs> what really annoys me is the number of people who come... They always said that there's an, always a long line of apologists for James, with James Haskell to, to, to say... That he'll he give everything. Brilliant. He'll give everything. Yeah. Well, I could give everything. Yeah. But I'm the, shit at rugby, he, so you know what's the point in sending me there? The matter is that his team were better when he came off on the weekend. Guy Thompson looked a lot better than him. Yes. Yeah. That's the other thing they keep talking about. Is his carrying is fucking bobbins, and it he always has carry. been. He doesn't yeah. carry. He keeps going a bit, and he he throws his body around. I'll give him that. That's fine. But I mean, you know, this, there's there's a post here I found on Twitter. What's this from? Big blow for the Lions. The Hask will be a great tourist, though. The self-proclaimed Archbishop of Banterbury. People write this stuff. People write this stuff about him. It's alarming, isn't it? And why it's is he like... such a great tourist? If he was, I know, you know, I know I'm talking about me. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a great tourist for me. I'd be fucking, <laughs> and imagine what the, D... you know what's putting me off more than anything? Imagine what the DVD is going to be like. Oh, it's, it's just going to be wall to wall player camp twittery. It's going to be wall to wall Haskell because he's going to fuck all else to do. <laughs> oh, we can't. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry, everyone. It's still going to be a wonderful tour. And as Joshy said, he's probably not getting the test team. So, but let's... he will just be there and he will ruin my DVD. And <laughs> watching the Lions DVD is one of the great joys of any Lions to win or lose. And yet. Ugh. Ugh. Right, I can't do I can't do this anymore. We're gonna have to go. We're gonna have no. to go into shit. Good. I'm wrung yeah, out. I've had about two hours sleep. I've been I've been weeping with my knees clutched to my chest <laughs> most of the evening. Should we get Should we get shit out of the way first? Let's get shit out of the way first. Then we can talk about happy things to finish. I'll start. Jameson Gibson Park. Fucking oh, terrible. Bad. Really bad. I throw Johnny Sexton in there as well. Like. So not exactly a fucking ringing endorsement for a starting Lions 10 was basically letting Gareth Davis get 
in his head and in his face, looking completely out of sync with his back line and having absolutely no control and organisation over a game where he was playing against 14 men for 35 minutes. It's worrying, isn't it? He's basically shit the bed in two semis now. Yeah. It's I know in Farrell really... hasn't. That's yeah, noticeable. Farrell is looking more and more like a Lions starting 10 all the time. Yes. Um, speaking of shit nines also, Brendan Leonard, um, how on earth has he got six all black caps? <laughs> like, was Graham Henry just fucking hitting the bongs big time at that point and just didn't care in 2007? I mean, it speaks actually volumes to why the All Blacks fucking botched it in 2007 if they were yeah. calling wasn't Brendan Wasn't Jimmy Cowan front and centre in that squad as well? It wasn't, it, wasn't, it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't a vintage it wasn't uh, nine period, yeah. was it? Somebody um, amused the living shit out of me, and I don't mind telling you on Twitter today by suggesting that the All Blacks were... Um, basically, he said that the All Blacks only had six good players, which A, that's very silly, and they had a terrible... <laughs> Don't be silly, right. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll quote this. Um, the current All Blacks have only six quality players, a poor captain and manager. Um, yeah, well, and then went, that's, and then what, went that's on what jumps into my say, mind when I think of them, yeah. Yeah, and then went on to basically say that the end of year tour was like one of the... was a complete shambles and that they're in complete disarray. Um it, and also well, said Neath may well have more genuine talent than Reed or the woeful scrum half, which is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard anyone say. Which scrum half life. are they referring to? Because they've got about three who are fucking brilliant. So. <laughs> yes, but I mean, yeah, people can say these genuinely insane things, um, <laughs> and 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 they are welcome to. That's fine. That's their decision. Whatever. However. People will criticise this All Blacks team because they won, they lost the game in the autumn. And yet, you know, 10 years ago, fucking Brendan Leonard was starting for the All Blacks. <laughs> and now look at him. <laughs> to bring it back full circle. Case for nine. To go back genu- to... Genuinely, the Ospreys looked better with Scott Otten at nine than they did with fucking He was truly bafflingly awful, wasn't he? Oh, he was terrible. Yeah. Tom Aberfield spent most of the last two years on the wing, and when he shifted to nine, they instantly looked about 100% more composed. Speaking, speaking of nines in Gibson Park, that Shingler try was bizarre. Shingler almost stopped to push Gibson Park over and then start I, running I, again. It was I the most wonderful thing. I enjoyed that. He did a little, little stutter step, waited for him to catch up just long enough to hand him off to the face. I mean, I've always thought, you, you kind of... You look at Aaron Shingler and you think, you're a fucking asshole, aren't you? <laughs> like, in the most complimentary way possible. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's a yeah, horrible yeah, yeah. prick. And that was basically confirming everything I've ever thought about him. <laughs> Just waiting for a small man to catch up with him so that he can push him on the floor. There's that great scene in The Simpsons when Nelson Muntz is running with Bart, holding Bart up to block for him, and he's got a clear <laughs> run to the right, and he turns left to knock somebody else over. It just kind of felt like that. <laughs> it did a bit, didn't it? Oh, it was wonderful. And, of course, Gibson uh-huh. Park turned to absolute shit the second that Stuart Barnes said, very talented man, Gibson Park. Yeah. Is he? <laughs> is he really? Sure. Speaking of a... Uh, other shit. Yeah, go yes. on. Other shits for me, obviously, Steve Tandy. But particularly 
the decision to leave a fully fit Tyler Ardron, who it should be mentioned is one of the best and most versatile players in the Osprey pack, and is so good that he's joining the Chiefs, the Waikato Chiefs, not the fucking Essex yeah. Chiefs next season. And you're telling me that he couldn't have been quite useful against that Munster pack? Bizarre. And yet he just decided to leave him out for no real reason? Weird. Mental. Ethan and Athey were booming the post from the easiest oh. kick position ever. You could hear the post <laughs> ring across the Irish Sea. Hit it that hard. So awful. Like, talk about, like, kicking your team when you've just finally pulled yourself back. They only scored that try because the Scarlets had complete fucking jambles at the line-out. Like, mm. they hadn't created anything there. It was just pouncing on a mistake. Right, lads, this is the fucking momentum change that we need to really believe in ourselves and all that other made-up bollocks. And then he just completely ruined it by spannering that conversion in. And you could sort of feel everybody just go, oh. <laughs> and it, you could, it was like, The reason that we heard it is because the entire fucking stadium that wasn't the Scarlet's fans was just like, Oh god, this is now fucking night, is it? Shit for me, Scott Baldwin, line out Meister, extraordinary. <laughs> that was bad. The look that Alwyn Jones just shoots back at him. Like how anybody recovers from getting one of those looks from Alan Wynn Jones. For I those don't of you know. who haven't seen it out there, it was it was it was an Osprey's line out, Baldwin's throwing in. Obviously nobody's ready at all, and he basically just throws the ball directly at Bradley Davis's arse, who's facing the other way. And then Alan Wynne Jones just turns around and he's, he's he's obviously reacting to the game, but he just does one look and then does a second take and sort of glares at him as if to say, but There's so many steps to it. This where it's like one Who's called that? And why yeah. have you not told <laughs> Why and would that be the call? Why would that be the call? And if it was the call, why have you thrown it like so it was like completely not straight because yeah, it was straight out of Bradley yeah. Davis's ass. And what what he just Baldwin just quietly walks off. He doesn't even sort of put his hand up and go, sorry lads, he just walks off. Yeah. I love if he'd have just walked directly out of the stadium <laughs> Slowly with his head down, yeah. Directly to Shannon Airport and got on a plane back to Swansea, I would not have blamed him in the slightest. Scott Baldwin has thirty three international caps. I'll just leave yeah. that there. Yeah, and he's is still in the Wales squad. He is still in the Wales squad. Um, related to the Jameson Gibson Park thing, Dave Garrick got in touch on Twitter and said that Neil Francis said that, that oh, Gibson Park missing that tackle was feminine in his oh, column. Fucking arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> he is rugby's biggest shithouse. He is. He is an absolute oh, arse. I fucking despise that bloke. Something that we mentioned oh. before, Dean Blackmore got in touch on Twitter and said, uh, Matt Carley's refereeing on Saturday. Not only missed three forward passes in the phases up to the winning try, but stepped over an unconscious player while he was doing it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh. Oh, what a lad. Um, shits for me. Wasps line out. What the fuck is going on with that thing? It's a bit of a sham. Like, how can Die Young? Die Young. Get the song ready. Oh, come on. You didn't know. You, you've, you've teed that up too oh, quick. I did tee that up too quickly. Oh. But what exactly? Like, let's not forget. Yeah. 
Yeah, you'd have been yeah, worried about the line out. What is Young doing there if he can't get a pack to do their fundamentals properly? Like, he's, it's not like he's there to coach the fucking Razzle Dazzle, is it? <laughs> Yo, his face isn't there to, to coach the Razzle Dazzle. I know that much. not. He actually did show some human emotions at the end of the game. He kind of smiled a bit. Yeah, he's a, sort of a weird, wistful smile. I His face really is the best thing ever because every time it cuts to him, it looks exactly the same. Yeah, it, I, I'm starting to wonder if they've got just library footage of him now. They're not even <laughs> yeah. bothering to cut. The one day he's just going to have a dramatically different haircut and they're all going to get caught out. Well, they, they cut to him because when the pie monkey puts a cardboard cut out there while he rams some Clark's pies down his neck behind it, that's what they keep cutting to. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. He's absolutely um, uh, wonderful. And they interview him as like, well, don't they? That's what they, they, they yeah, go and interview him quite a lot. David, how do you think it's going? Oh, I think we need to get more possession, if I'm honest, Nick. <laughs> he's completely unflattered. Maybe that's why you're such a good coach. He is just totally unflappable by pretty much everything that happens in the game. Just like, yeah, whatever, mate. I love him. But yeah, go on. Um, more on a more serious shit note. Oh, um, if you insist. Yeah. Robbins, Shele uh, Wachu, uh, who is a Cameroonian rugby player, uh, and Locke, who yeah. plays, or I should say played for Montpellier in the top 14. Um, he's currently... Um, on sick leave for repeated concussions and uh, he was informed along with five other players before Montpellier's end of season barbecue that they were having their contracts torn up by Mohamed Altrad. And not only that, he's currently the president of the uh, French Players Union. These these so, these big money owners are really good for the game, aren't they? You can't that, tell I me mean, that they're not, you know, they're not exactly what the game buying. needs. Even by horrible fucking millionaire owner standards, that you're on leave, sick leave for repeated concussions. You're president of the players' union, and before the, before the end of season barbecue, they go, "Oh, by the way, you're fucking sacked, mate." Yeah, but you see, that's horrible. Bujala would have probably like fired him out of a cannon at the barbecue. Uh, as I mean, well, you know, because that, but yeah, it's but awful. At least that would have been sort of slapstick entertaining. <laughs> just generally totally fucking depressing. Yeah, I don't know. It's just that sort of shit just really does leave a fucking horrible taste in your mouth, doesn't it? We've already mentioned this with the generic barman going to saying shit is the greatest try ever scored by a front rower being disallowed for a knock on that the ref said had gone backwards, as you said earlier. Yeah, it was. I It's Scott Orton I feel for, really. Because Scott Orton's actually scored a couple of very good tries for the Ospreys. He's got a weirdly good nose for spectacular hooker tries. However, that would have been, by a country mile, the best of the bunch. And yet, no. He just has to <laughs> fucking ruin it for us. He hates joy, does Luke Pierce. Final shit from Twitter for me. Matt Ford, old friend of mine. Hello, Matt. He said... Behold my despair that John Barkley can't get a look in for the Lions. I'm all alone on Barkley Island, he says. It is a bit weird, that, isn't it? Like, I mean, he was fucking imperious. I kind he of understand if Gatlin wants a six or an eight, why I don't think John Barkley can be an international six or eight. He's not impactful he a... enough, to use a horrible no, word. Yeah, he's a bit too, and he is slow as well. But he's fucking very good, and he's in banging form at the moment. Shall we go on to good? Yeah, speaking of good, then. Um, the Brothers Davis. Yeah. Jonathan and James. Um, 
Jonathan basically spent 80 minutes demonstrating exactly why Gatland had picked him over Ringrose by putting both him and Sexton in his pocket for the entire game, with the exception of Ringrose's try. It wasn't his fault. Hmm. Um, and some of the hits that he put on Ringrose were yes. borderline cruel. He's played um, himself back into form just in time yeah. for the entire Welsh backline to turn out for, uh, yes, for, for, really for the Lions, it's isn't hilarious. he? And I can't wait for how angry people are going to be. Um and James, meanwhile, was just making a mockery of the Welsh management by being the best player on the park. James was making like... a mockery of body shapes and physics and everything that you everything. know he about most, people. He played most of the second half on the fucking wing. <laughs> with no scrum hat on. With no scrum hat on. And he was his work over the ball is sublime. His line speed, though, fuck me. All game. He is yeah, incredible. so quick. Off. Even like, the, there was a couple of movements where he just, he just flew up out of the line, particularly in that second half where they were defending constantly, and he was up so quick that he just snuffed everything out he's, by smashing some fucker. Ironically, he's a very intelligent rugby player because he looks like the kind of person who doesn't know which way around to hold a pen. Yes, and but yeah, the field, on the on the field, he's he he's like he doesn't know which way <laughs> to hold a pen. He but on the field, he has got mad skills as yeah. the kids would. Probably and not just anyone. that, it's the, the brain as well. He just seems and to know, he's, he knows no, where to where go it, and when. And yeah, he, yeah. He's one of the most natural and instinctive rugby players I, I've ever seen. And it, it is, I know Wales have got fuckloads of good sevens and he is quite small. But... Steph Armitage problem, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit. He's one of those players and he's, Steph Armitage is the same. He doesn't look like he should be good. Do you know what I mean? Because he's a bit think... funny shaped and and stuff. He doesn't. So therefore, yeah, and I think with the current Wales setup, there is a lot of you know weight put onto well weight. Um, yeah, and and shape, you know, and condition. And shape. Do you know, do you know what player does look but like? Condi- he should be incredible. nothing wrong with his conditioning because he played eight no, minutes. Exactly. Played out of his he just doesn't skin. look like he's got good condition. It's a problem. He doesn't look like he's any good. It's the old yeah. submarine pitcher problem in baseball. Yeah, it looks it like it shouldn't it? work, so therefore people don't trust it. You know, who do, you know what player does look like he should be brilliant? Yes, who? Ross Ford. <laughs> so there's an example of where you shouldn't. You know, your eye should not tell yeah. you everything. James Haskell should look. Yes, should be one of the greatest even, even players him not, ever lived because his legs are too short. That's true, and he's a cock. So, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> I'm sorry, oh. it's a bad week. <laughs> This it's whole Lions thing has just completely pulled back the curtain. Oh, and honestly, sort of the fucking tissue paper thin covering yeah. of, of polite. Anyway, we're talking about good. I'm going to. Dra- I'm not letting myself go back there. <laughs> good. Uh, speaking of number eight, Chubby Tommy. Yeah, hats off. You know, credit where credits. Due. Ironically, hats off because he doesn't take his hat off. He still had that bonnet yeah. on twenty minutes after full time in the interviews. I'm con- it's one thing I will say about uh, whatever his brother's name was. I seem to remember Scott. that. Yes, Scott Waldron. He was, um, shall we say, not blessed follically. <laughs> he basically looks like a cue ball. So wow. I'm assuming that underneath, I just massive egg like, in the nest. Like my old massive. mate. He used to wear a cap out of the showers because he hadn't had a chance to fully quaff her his, and blow dry his comb over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't seen... I can't remember the last time. I don't think I've seen Thomas Waldrum's son's scrum cap since he went no. to Exeter. 
And he I obviously desperately needs it because it looks Hello. really uncomfortable. Yeah, I've I found his, I, I think it's this season, Exeter squad photo, right. Son's scrum cap. And I am sad to report for you that there is a lot of egg and not a lot of nest there. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's clinging on, bless him, but um, he might have to, to get the bick out soon. He even did a wonderful left foot kick on the run. He genuinely did. He was excellent. Glorious, I got, glorious I've, stuff. You know I've critiqued him many, many times over the last 18 months, but yeah, he was fucking really good. Any good from you? Um, good from me. Uh, another scholar, actually, Rob Evans. Yes. Um, really, he gave Ty Furlong, Furlong rather, an absolute rough time in the scrum before he went off. Um, he carried really, really well. Um, showed some lovely hands for that Steph Evans try. He was genuinely just brilliant. And you've got to think, you look at him and you think, he's quite unlucky not to be going on tour. Well, he was in my squad if, you were, if I was selecting. He'd have yeah, been in my squad same. Today, and but... I, I would imagine that if anything happens to any of the loose heads between now and, and well, I mean, any time in the tour, I guess, they're in New Zealand. Speaking he's of... got to be first cab off the rank, hasn't he? Speaking of Tyke Furlong, did you see his glorious 25-metre pass? I did actually. That was wonderful. <laughs> Much better than Ashley Beck's it. attempt at a long pass, wasn't it? He basically oh, threw oh, it into the oh. into the into the dress circle. He threw it. That, so basically, that basically epitomised everything about the Ospreys in the last <laughs> it seven. Did, didn't it? A fabulously, a fabulously gifted and talented player doing something that he should be able to do with his eyes closed and completely fucking it up. And the commentary were literally like, "Oh, now it's on for the Ospreys." Oh, oh all right. Oh. <laughs> um, other goods for me, Billy Burns. And particularly um, some of his passing, particularly his pass for their third try, I think it was, that one that sort of gently floated over the top of three Wasps players and just through the despairing you mean, hands. You mean Freddie Burns, boys. don't you? Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they're all but the yeah, same. <laughs> those Burns boys yes. and their floated passes. Uh, yeah, yeah, what else have I got? Loved it. Good. Don Armand. Unsung hero, mm. I think. Yeah, Wonderful, definitely. wonderful game. Uh, versus Saracens gave absolutely everything, and uh, Toulouse Viano spinning Taekwondo style kick just because he could. Yeah, I enjoyed. As he Why jogged, his, I'm just jogging back. I'll just execute this absolutely beautiful balletic move. Yeah. Similarly, I enjoyed uh, from a slightly Schadenfreude sort of way. I enjoyed uh, Simon Zebo attempting to catch um, a ricocheting ball on the half volley like he did against. Wales famously in that thing that basically is the only impressive thing he's ever done in his career um, <laughs> at international level. I, I don't, and that... attempted to do that and basically just spanned it into the stands like fucking what's <laughs> like his face, Peter do. Kay in that John Smith advert. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. He, well, he did quite well to catch that ball that he kind of egg and spooned on his finger for a good few paces, gaming football <laughs> did. style, didn't he? He did. I'm being facetious. He has done more than that. Yeah. But that is basically why everyone thinks Simon Zebo is good and has good. done. But um, a lot of love for this on Twitter. Beaker, Fee Hunter, Adam Howie, and many others on Twitter saying about the Scotland Sevens triumph at Twickenham. Mm. Good for them. They like it down London, don't they? they do, two don't years they? on the bounce. They do. I mean, you, you got to wonder whether everybody got, else can be bothered by that point. <laughs> I got offered a VIP package to go to Ooh. to that and to have a go in the Samsung slider. Oh my god! I would totally have gone on that. Well, the yeah, I asked me on like. Thursday afternoon. Oh, I was well. going to send it your way, actually, but then I thought, well, it'd be too short notice for Josh. But then I realised you were, oh, all you spent the weekend doing was 
you would have spent the weekend who putting the fucking story file together. Giant... So. Well, that is very true. But who wouldn't want to sit in a giant fucking on-rail sofa <laughs> and be rapidly propelled <laughs> up and down the fucking Twickenham pit? It did seem like in... a laugh, but I wasn't going to bother me asking. It seemed like a laugh, but it also seemed like something that was definitely going to make me throw up. <laughs> and I would... As funny as it would be to throw up on DJ Forbes's shoes, I think it's yes. probably for the best it didn't happen. Uh, mean Englishman got in touch, and I'm sure you must have seen this, but he says, good, Sergio Parise. Have you seen the absolute pornographic <laughs> fuck it, I'll do it myself filth from Sergio Parise <laughs> on, on the weekend? Yeah, indeed. Oh, my word. I mean, I mean fair play. So out of the line, play. intercept the ball, in, out, look up, look right, look left. Beautiful crossfield kick. Oh. It's, I mean, there is a reason that he invented, fuck it, I'll do it myself. <laughs> there is, isn't and there? That is, for better or worse. And that was definitely yeah, for better. Absolutely. Um, other goods for me, Jimmy Gopeth. Just because we got, has he got Johnny Wilkinson tied up in a basement somewhere <laughs> and he's like leeching his talent from him or something? Because I'm sure that like, 18 months ago he was like slightly above average and now yeah. he's somehow player of the season banging over kicks from everywhere and generally being brilliant I, and, and again sense. ghosting into gaps and generally looking like this dynamic 12 that he never it's ever ever was so weird and I don't really understand it but you've got to, you can't argue with it he's clearly very very good uh, what else do we have from Twitter? Eduardo Alvarez got in touch and he said good was the Crusaders with 12 wins in a row. It is quite impressive, although it does kind of not speak massively good things for uh, the integrity of Super Rugby that somebody's just basically just much better than everybody else. Does see, yeah, if that was over here to be, it's like Scottish football. And that's a joke. <laughs> it's getting sort of basically the New Zealand teams and the rest of Super Rugby is getting a bit like Scottish slash Spanish football. <laughs> yes. The only teams that are going to win it are, well, yeah, I think one the Stormers are the only non-New Zealand team to beat a New Zealand team this season. Yeah, correct. Which is bad. Hat tip to Adam Reese for that particular stat, by the way. Was but, Adam uh, Reese was it? Thank you, Adam. Um, it's nice for you yeah. to send us something that isn't a heavy metal song, so thank you for yes. that. Yes, <laughs> he also, he also, a good one for him was um, that drunken bellend being kicked out of the Munster game quite famously, who was vociferously booing and abusing both Dan Bigger and uh, Blyendahl when <laughs> they were taking How many people would they have to throw out of the Millennium Stadium when Reese Priestley well, exactly. was playing? You need Apparently an army of this... stewards to throw people out. Yeah, well, apparently he was being a fucking right dickhead. And also, I think more than anything, they were annoyed that he was booing both Bigger and Blayendahl's kicks. So <laughs> he basically made himself zero friends. Yeah, they're big on that. In, out by the police. They're almost they're fucking big on that, aren't they, down in Munster as well? Yeah, they, they get pretty testy about that shit. They do, because they're every, you know, cause of course they're everybody's moral compass in this game, apparently. Of course they are. Um, <laughs> last good from me, Steve Birch has got in touch. Uh, Joe Launchbury was good again. How is he not a yeah. line question mark? We've been through that. I'm not going to go through that again. No. Nope. Deserves um, got nothing yeah. to do with it, as I'm fucking finding Absolutely out this week. Not. As I'm finding Absolutely out to not. my pain this week. Why actually fucking thinking about it? Courtney Laws can play six. Why didn't he just call up fucking? Very true. Get yeah. Joe Launchbury in there. Get <laughs> and... Laws playing six anyway. Anyway, final good for me then. Greg Laidlaw's agent. 
Yes. Hat, <laughs> according, if, according to the keep, as is being reported, Glacial Greg has somehow convinced someone, uh, convinced Claremont, I should say, to pay him £450,000 a season. I say, people have been getting very, won't someone think of the children about this. I say, fucking fair play. Your agent is brilliant. Your agent is clearly a Jedi. Yeah, and enjoy it, mate. You're going to get paid one and a half million quid by Claremont for the next three years. And you're what? He's got to be 30-something by now, surely. Yeah, He's, yeah, he's in his 30s. And and you can't begrudge it, Greg Laidlaw, can you? He's 31, yeah. You so can't begrudge it, Greg getting... Laidlaw, at all. You can begrudge no, it something he, like he Dellen Armitage. He's a lovely man. Remember how happy he looked when Scotland won that game? <laughs> With his hands in the air. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's, it's... He's absolutely... I don't get it. It makes no sense. No, at it makes all. no sense whatsoever. But but fair play to him. But fair play to him. If you, you have convinced someone to give your fucking client four hundred fifty thousand pounds a season, then you deserve every bit of that ten percent that you're taking. But he could be getting fired out of a cannon at the end of season barbecue. That's the other thing you need to remember. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's true. the right you're size still, for it. He's the right you're size still for it. Four hundred fifty grand for a year's work. <laughs> yeah, so. I'll take that. You might be fired out of a cannon, Greg. Near bother. <laughs> hey, it's near bother. And speaking of Nay Bother, imagine that's... all the beard products he'll be able to supply, like all of the lovely beard oils that he'll be able to spend. I want to see him in a beret. A small beard. I mean, he could be the new Philly sort of... Bernard Sals. I tell you what, you put Greg Laidlaw in a beret, and that might be the only time he doesn't look Scottish. True. He could have that sort of insouciant Gallic flair about him. I mean, without the flair, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, the look of Gallic. You can you can put a French beret on the on the Scottish slow scrum half, but it's still a Scottish scrum scrum half underneath the beret. Yeah, and I on mean, that uh, note, I, I kind of feel like you wanted a better metaphor there. But I did. I feel like it, I was, it was struggling. Good enough. I was struggling. I got there in the end. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm so tired. I'm I'm emotionally <laughs> wrung out. I can't yeah. be creative anymore. You've been put through the ringer in the last couple of days. <laughs> to be honest. Thank you everybody for tuning in. I hope I was suitably you know, emotionally lost for you all. <laughs> and we'll speak to you. Well, it's the finals next week. We might do a midweek preview, we can be asked. But I'm not making I mean, any promises. Yeah, I, I might, we, we might do a midweek podcast just so that I can check in on Lee and make sure yeah, that he hasn't true. gone full 12 trees. That's true. Um, yeah. Where is Billy 12 trees? <laughs> Honestly, we're serious. Where is he? Seriously, contact us. Right. Thank you, everybody. Speak to you next week or soon or whenever. Okay, bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.